final chapter of the Gospel of John, as we have been hearing about this scripture that so inspired those who wrote the strategic plan. A post-resurrection story. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of Jesus' disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. And then they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he tightened his smock, for he was barely clothed, and jumped into the sea. But the other side disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there, with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. Now this was the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we thank you for the gift of this day. We thank you for the Lord's day, when we can come and celebrate your presence with us, when we can come and celebrate the first day of the week, the day of resurrection. We celebrate that we can share a meal together with you and one another and all people everywhere. So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Truly, when I have asked children what their most favorite part of church is, they do often say coffee hour. 
And for kids, this really is literally coffee hour. This is where children learn how to drink coffee. <laughs> coffee for them consists of the paper cup, it filled with halfway with sugar, the other half with the creamer or milk, and enough decaf, we hope, to make it look like hot chocolate. And they stir it up, and oh my goodness, there is even a little straw to drink it through. Is this amazing? Is this just amazing? And oh my goodness, sometimes there is cake. Who could not love coffee hour? This is very biblical. The gospel revolves around the sharing of food and fellowship. The center of our worship space is the table. The altar is where they sacrificed animals. We don't have an altar. We have a table where we gather and we eat together at the meal that Christ feeds us. When we eat together at Jesus' table, not just this table, but any table, and we see that Jesus is at the table because Jesus is at every table, we find ourselves in the kingdom of God. I am convinced that if Jesus came to church, Jesus would spend a great majority of his time at coffee hour. And that is because it is at coffee hour where the conversations happen. It is at coffee hour, after we have heard the fabulous sermon, thank you, Peter, that was up here, that we go downstairs and we start to talk about it, that we start to share our lives with each other, that we go deeper together. It is right that Jesus would be at coffee hour. Wonderful things happen at meals. What meals can you name from the Gospels? Young people especially. I told you that I would ask you, young people, raise your hand and tell me a meal that you remember from the Gospels. Yes, the Last Supper. What a place to tell people, to say, you are my dearest friends. I love you, and I will always love you no matter what happens. And you can remember me when you eat at the table and share bread. What other, what other meal? Yes, David. The wedding. the wedding at Cana. When Jesus' mother convinced him to turn the water into wine. And that was a miracle of abundance. When Jesus shows up at the table, there is abundance. There was so much wine. There was so much joy in that celebration of the wedding feast. Another meal. 
Jack. Now, we got to remember that Zacchaeus, the tax collector, was, as much as anybody else, the despised. The despised. And what did Jesus do? He went there. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I'm not going to argue with you about taxes. I'm not going to get into the politics with you. He said, Zacchaeus, I'm having dinner at your house today. And Zacchaeus's heart broke open there on the spot. And he gave away his wealth in an abundance. What other meal do you remember? Mary and Martha. I have to think about that one for a minute. Jesus turned gender upside down because it was the men who were supposed to sit and listen to Jesus. But Mary wanted to sit and listen to Jesus. And Martha, God bless her, because we are Martha's ladies. And men, we are Martha's. When Martha complained, Jesus said, no. Women belong in school. Girls belong in school. I'm going to say the feeding of the 5,000 where Jesus broke bread and gave it to them. He challenged the disciples, you give it to them. And there was a massive abundance. Jesus was at dinner with the Pharisees, with the judges and the Congress people. And right there in the middle of it, a woman came and started kissing his feet. Now, they were accustomed to scandal, but not this kind of scandal. And they were ready to jump on Jesus and to say, this is scandalous. And Jesus said to them, is love? Is the love of forgiveness scandal? That I shall be scandalous to forgive this woman. Jesus ate with Samaritans. The woman was at the well, and she was a Samaritan. The Samaritans were who? They were the foreigners. They were the enemies. They were the enemies. There was no such thing as a good Samaritan. Muslim. Immigrant. And Jesus ate and drank from her cup and stayed with them. And they said, we have met the Messiah. It was like that when Peter jumped into the water and dove in to see Jesus. And he got there and he got to be with Jesus beyond time past death, 
in this new dimension of love. And Peter was connected because Jesus came. But you know what? When we go a little bit deeper, we find out a little bit more about what was going on there because Peter showed up on the beach and Jesus had a charcoal fire. And that word charcoal is only used one other time in the Gospels. It was a charcoal fire by which Peter warmed his hands the night that he betrayed Jesus. What would that be like? For Peter to get there on the beach and to be so excited to see Jesus and then be reminded of that moment when he betrayed his friend. And Jesus says, here, have some fish. Have some bread. Let's eat together. The meal is a meal of truth. It is a meal of honesty. It is a meal of saying, I know that we have been broken. I know that there is pain. But together we will eat and there will be forgiveness. And there will be honesty and grace and reconciliation, and we will love again. One of the things that we heard over and over again as we were working on the strategic plan is just how hungry we are in this congregation, and it's not our congregation, it's the whole culture right now, is hungry for friendship and connection. Technology has done wonderful things to connect us, but it has also made us lonely. A lot of the places where we used to gather and talk and have the conversations are gone, except for church, except for coffee hour, and the small groups, faith trek, Bible in context, men's spirituality group, all of the groups that gather We're hungry to connect. We're hungry for that forgiveness. We're hungry for hope that comes when we support each other. And my friends, the salvation of our souls depends on the reconciliation, the forgiveness, the love the kingdom of God. When the strategic plan, you know, found out that Lynn, Pastor Lynn, was spending half of her time on hospitality and meals 
and we read this story and we started thinking about the loneliness and the importance of meals, we came up with this magnificent idea that we would hire a chef. That this was so important that this is what the congregation needed. We needed a chef. And everybody thought we were completely insane. Sharing meals is where friendships are made, sins are forgiven, enemies become friends, and miracles happen. And sharing meals is a spiritual discipline. As much as prayer or worship, it is necessary for the health of our souls that we talk about the truth of our lives, that we struggle together in pain and brokenness, that we get the support that says, you know that God forgives you, right? Friends that walk us through the fires of sadness into the feast of joy. We must come together as a congregation across our own differences. For every sermon that I preach on justice, there's somebody out there that says, you didn't go far enough on justice. And there's somebody who said, why do you have to be so political? It's time that you guys talk to each other. There are one service people out there, some people who want one service. There are people who want two services. Get together at coffee hour. I know that you can find somebody in this congregation who does not exactly think the way that you do. It is a spiritual discipline that you get together. The children of our church need The elders. Because you teach them faith. The spiritual discipline of going deeper with each other and with God breaks our hearts open to the kingdom of God. And now I'm going to tell a story that's going to have most of you mad at me. Last week, there was a restaurant who turned away a person who they believed had done terrible things. I agree. And I thought, wow, they really took a stand. They said, the values you demonstrate are simply unacceptable. You crossed the line too many times, and you will not cross the line to the door of this eating establishment. And I thought, wow, that's really saying something. But some friends kind of slapped me in the face. And they got me to start to wonder 
if something different might have happened. I know that no person should have to be subjected to serve somebody who has deeply hurt them or their family. But what if Jesus were there and said, hey, you know what? I got to do this. You don't have to do it with me. That's okay. I get it. But I have to do this. And what if Jesus had said, Sarah, are you hungry? Have some bread. Tell me about yourself. Did you ever play TV when you were a little girl? Hold the microphone? Tell me about how you grew up. And what if they got to telling some stories? And Jesus told her some really good stories. Like the Good Samaritan, Muslim immigrant. She may have gone away really angry. Or maybe when he broke the bread and gave it to her, her eyes would have been opened and she would have seen love. I said it was a spiritual discipline. When we eat together, Jesus is at the table. And not just this table, but any table. Jesus is there. And when we can see Jesus, we find ourselves in the kingdom of God. I think that's all I need to say. Amen.